the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. So we're a place to get comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis, then The Athletic. Personalize your favorite teams and leagues, download the free app, and you'll get an ad-free selection of content available all day, every day, and it is jam-packed right now in a jam-packed sports week. Just capped off with a Masters victory, which we'll get to in a second. We're going to bounce around today, a bunch of sports, and uh, bring Scott in here to kind of bring some insight, bring some analysis. We'll have some NBA discussions as well for him, and a little bit more. But we're a couple weeks away from the draft, two weeks away from the draft. There's a lot of questions. It's hot stove city out there, and uh, some of it seems pretty real. And I know we have to take everything with a grain of salt these days because there's a lot of agent talk and a lot of... Oh, just guys having fun with, you know, either media types or the mock drafters or the, <laughs> let's just say the the bloggers. There's a lot of content. There's a lot to be kind of strung along. So take it with a grain of salt. But I think there are probably two stories, two NFL teams that have real, real situations heading towards the next couple of weeks. So we're certainly going to touch on that. And then there's a little bit of baseball which I want to start with here. Scott, welcome back to the show. You're a little bit foreign, and I use that word frivolously here. You're a little bit foreign to this story somehow. Must have got snuck under the rug with the with the kind of maximum amount of content we have in the sports world right now. Yes. Uh, Trevor Bauer supposedly is being investigated by Major League Baseball for using foreign substances to doctor baseballs <laughs> in his first couple of starts with the Dodgers. Yeah. Okay. I think the, I think the right initial response is laughter because there is a, there's a snarkiness to this. Yes. Uh, we had a show not too long ago that detailed his public announcement. I mean, he basically went into, I believe it was SI was it sports illustrated something he went something. somewhere important and basically wrote a piece, and then he's got YouTube videos that really have some fun with this, basically saying, not only am I doing this, but here's how I'm doing this, and here's why I'm doing this, because I'm getting vertical movement, I'm getting a much higher spin rate, and these are the things that matter in baseball today, because there aren't guys up there, mostly, jacked up on PEDs who are going to crush anything they see 425 feet. Those days are basically gone. So if pitchers can now get a little bit of an edge analytically and now this way as well, they will start to dominate the sport. And they did for the last maybe two, two and a half seasons. Yes. Home runs are up, but pitching's really, really, really up to, I mean, there's some really, I mean, Jacob DeGrom is exhibit a B and C right now on a not so great team with absolutely no hitting. This guy's still striking 13, 14 out. I'm not saying Jacob DeGrom is using pine tar under his hat. I'm saying there's enough good pitching right now to say that that side of the game is in pretty good hands. And if we can look at Bauer's situation, Scott, and extrapolate it a little bit, I think it's probably worth at least making mention of. Um, and, I, and I'm a little bit hesitant to compare this to 2005 when the steroid era really started to come to come forward. And then we had the Mitchell Port in 2006, where 98 player, 89 players were named. And it, it really started to snowball, of course. And then we had basically a version two of that in 2013, when 10 or 12 more guys were suspended. And it really hasn't gone away. I mean, there were five suspensions last year. So it's not like, you know, that's out of the sport. 
but my point here, Scott, and I'd love your thoughts on it is if Bauer was so flippant to just come out and say, Hey, uh, the, the reason I'm telling you this is because, Hey, I want, I want people to know that there's success in doing this, that this is a way to do it. And it's an unwritten rule. He said it, everybody says it, hit or say it. It's an unwritten rule that, Hey, guys are just going to do this kind of stuff because the game is just a little bit safer, maybe a lot of bit safer when pitchers have more control of the ball. If I'm up there, you know, with a flimsy plastic helmet on and a wooden bat and DeGrom's ready to throw 102 at me every other pitch, which is what he's doing right now, I'd feel a lot better knowing he's got the most control finger-wise <laughs> with that ball as humanly possible. And if that means a little bit of spit or, or pine tar under his cap, I'm going to live with that. And that's basically what the, what many players, hitters, have come out and said publicly, Scott. So Bauer probably didn't even blink coming out and, and making the, the media, you know, heyday that he did because, like I said, you know how these unwritten rules work. Mm-hmm. A lot of people hate them and think they're dumb, but in t- inside the baseball world, it's just part of life. And my question to you is, if this investigation, and I'm using air quotes, <laughs> if this investigation is a real investigation and not just smoke, not just, hey, maybe we will start to crack down on this. We don't want Bauer and his loud mouth to take control of this league. But let's say it's real. And let's say now it's it goes through the entire Dodgers pitching staff, right? There's going to be a full investigation of the Dodgers pitching staff for starters. And then that starts to trickle into all NL West teams like the Padres and their new pitching staff, the Giants and their somewhat new pitching staff. How far does this go? It can go really far because it not only are you talking about the West there, you go back to last year with the Reds and then before that with Bowers old team where he wins the Cy Young. That's a great point, Scott. Correct. And and if you remember back when you had cousin Dan on talking about Bauer with the Cy Young. He, he alluded to, you know, let, let's take this with a grain of salt because yeah. Bauer has talked about this. And, you know, if if anyone listening has read the MVP machine, Bauer has put it uh, in documentation and quotes on all of the stuff that he does and tinkers with and tries. I mean, he in the book, he says that he put stuff on his fingers to see how much the spin rate he can get up and where the control can be. So, you know, it's not a surprise that this is going to come out. Um, But you're right. This could be the tip of an iceberg where it it starts with him and it it could get ugly really fast. So, during the steroids era, we had a couple of like labs, remember, that kind of came out. I forget where they were, maybe international, maybe Florida, maybe California. There were a bunch of different like testing labs where, you know, Major League Baseball was able to sort of trace back to trainers and things like that that were either acquiring or actually going there to administer. And that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that this investigation was happening because Bauer is directly tied to driveline baseball. You've, Correct. You've seen the HBO document. You've seen, you know, the footage of, of that you're right it's basically what you just laid out it's this analytical nerd laboratory of you know how do we improve all of the metrics that matter to pitching right now and you have to can, can't you just imagine right the mlb fbi raid 
of driveline baseball and, and trying to uncover all the unwritten tactics that are being used there and or illegally being administered into the Major League Baseball. I hate this, by the way. I, I hate every second of this because yeah. I'm on the I'm with the hitters here. I'm with the hitters. The game has already been levied so much towards offense. Not maybe not enough. I mean, they're they deaden the ball again this year. You know, there's the batting somewhat down early on in this season, 10 days in, but here's my initial takeaway and you can, you can take it from here. Baseball seems to be tinkering with all the wrong things. (laughs) (laughs) If this is real and I pray this is not real. I pray this is just a headline, just a warning shot, just a smoke, smoke call, you know, an SOS call that, Hey, we just got it. We got to shut power up. We're going to do it publicly, just like he did it publicly. We're going to throw something out there, a quick press release to say, hey, we know you're doing this stuff. Just shut your mouth and do it quietly. I'm hoping that's all this is, because I think most pitchers, and I'm not saying the majority do something like this, but I would bet it's pretty prevalent, like maybe 50%, right? I mean, I, I think pretty much every pitching staff would have somebody who does something that's a little bit over the line. That's just life i guess but it's probably you know the competitive drive as well um it would be the worst to have this season turn into that with the cba's negotiations coming up with a possible pay structure change with a possible change in defensive shifts with a possible change in pitch clocks robot umpires could you imagine the actual game itself or or fantasy rosters, you know, all the things that fans are trying to reach onto and grab onto right now after having to miss it for for a while, be just destroyed by a pine tar investigation sweeping Major League Baseball. It's just not worth it. There's bigger fish to fry. There's way bigger mouths to feed in this sport, literally. And this is not necessary. So they want to have a little fun and poke a jab at Trevor Bauer publicly. I'm actually all for that. That's a, that's a nice little move by them because Bauer definitely rubbed it in their faces two years ago with that, with that article. Um, but if they take this further and they really start to investigate and identify players and what could be dozens of pitchers, I have a real problem with that. I find the timing interesting because at the beginning of the season, Major League Baseball said, we're, we're going to watch spin rate and to find yeah. – who is using foreign substances to help their spin rate get better. I, I, I find it interesting with the timing because of the CBA. Yeah. Maybe they're doing this on purpose, knowing we're going to have a long lockout or long stay of no baseball. And we're going to. Or Scott, how about this? this? Or it's, or it's, or maybe you were going there. Sorry. Maybe it's just major league baseball already getting a one up on them. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll keep quiet about all that. If, right. If, and then come CBA time, you, you compromise on these two things, right? It, it could just be that you're right. It could be just business. Yeah. It, it, it at this juncture and, and, you know, all the cards are on the table because everyone knows major league baseball in the PA don't get along we know where a lot of this is going. We know there's issues with pay. We know there's issues with, uh, you know, time 
management of minor league players coming up and down. So this may just be another shot from major league baseball side saying we're, we were not lying about using the analytics for watching spin rate. And we are, this is their next step of, all right, we see something here's our shot fired and and we're going to go from there. And I, I would not be shocked if this is not smoke. Um, mm. I, you know, <laughs> Pardon my yeah, grumble. I, <laughs> I, I, I hate it because as we've talked about for the last year or two leading up to this, you know, we've said how many things major league baseball has done wrong. And it's just, it, if this goes down that road where this is just another issue between the two sides and, and now with pitchers, you know, it, it, it's a shame. It really is a shame that they, they can't figure things out. They can't communicate. Um, they got to go, you know, for lack of a better word, rogue in, in going down this road. Um, well, let me, let me, so. let me spin real quick. Let's, let's spend two more minutes max on this. Cause we have a lot of other topics to get to, but what's interesting, Scott, is all these things we're talking about. There's maybe six or seven major factors that could alter or change over the course of the next two seasons. And some of them are player driven and some of them are either team coach or analytical driven, statistical driven, right? Like, like the shift, like defensive shifts, we can talk PEDs and we can talk pine tar, but I'm not sure anything has changed the game more than Statcast and oh, the implementation of these camp pin, pinpoint cameras that <clears throat> have now been able to track you know, Michael Conforto's line drive rate in certain situations, on certain pitches, in certain temperatures, in certain stadiums. I mean, that kind of depth of instant analysis and, and trending, that's what's really hurt baseball. <laughs> I mean, um, that's what's really made it harder. Maybe not, maybe hurt is the wrong way to interpret that, but that's what's made it way more difficult to have quick, fun baseball games. Everything has to be thought out because the data is there. And, and it, you'd be foolish not to look at that data and interpret that data and try to utilize that data. You'd just be foolish right now. So it takes time and it takes process. And that's fine because there's, there's results. There's certainly results to it. And you can stifle a batter in, in, over an entire series with this kind of data. But is that is looking into that and how that has impacted the game better time served than you know what happens if a couple of yankees have some have some goo under their bat under their hat or behind their belt or wherever the heck they want to keep in their it. hair <laughs> it, doesn't it seem like that's just a such such a more natural and, and maybe this is the term i want to get out more engaging violation of the game isn't that something we all did as kids or all you know joked about as kids and it's illegal i, I don't want to go out there and say i'm you know, I'm naive to that. It's illegal. And, you know, when it's when it's gra gravely overused and we've seen instances where, you know, the camera catches the pitcher holding to a hat that is clearly brown. We get it. Um, you know, certain instances you just can't avoid or ignore. But I, I just think. Look, there's a lot of people that that want PEDs in sports. Just to be frank, there's a lot of people. Look at, I mean, WrestleMania. Not that I, you know, I'm not indicting any of them for using steroids, but that the area that I grew up in in the '80s, they absolutely did. And then it turned into Major League Baseball, and certainly football had their their elements of that as well. And I, I've got a lot of people my age, Scott, that that 
they want that because they just consider that part of being competitive. You're doing more than the next guy, even though it's pushing the limits, pushing the lines. You know, they want their athletes to be video game players. So there's a whole contingency of fans and an audience that don't give a rat's behind about any of this, because if it if it makes your slider dip like like it does in the video game, then that's more engaging to some fans. So baseball's got to be really careful about what they tinker with, you know, and not to get political, but there's a very cut and dry way to piss off a heck of a lot of people. And I think going down a path like this in the timing that we're talking about, the timeline that you laid out there is dangerous waters because it's probably a battle they don't need to have to have. They don't have to have right now. Focus on the prize, focus on shortening these darn games, focus on, you know, like I said, is, are are these stat cast cameras actually helping or is it, or is it just too much? Is it too much data for the game? And is it making it less of a game and more of a computer simulation? Um, I just think those are probably elements we should be looking at more. And and I think the fans would appreciate that. Do you, let me, let's finish on this. Would, what would fans like a stricter penalty for PEDs and this? So something for the pitchers, something for the hitters, or would they like to see the defensive shift go away, which would, which would in turn force players to stand somewhere, right? The infield, middle infielders have to have one foot on dirt, or you can't have more than three infielders on, on the left or right side of an infield. If those rules were in fact, what would tick off a larger audience of Major League Baseball fans, in your opinion? Mm. Mm. I don't think the shift would. You don't? To be honest. No, I don't. I don't. Because, you know, I, I, I thought of this in watching some games this year, and I don't know why it took me so long to think of it this way but you know they have shortstop on the side that they do because of right-handed hitters you know if you're a left-handed hitter there is no shortstop to that side so that shift is essentially making the shortstop on that side as if you were a right-handed batter so in a way I have no issue with the shift. I think that's like we talked about six months ago. It's no different than a defensive team scheming to stop a certain wide receiver or a tight end. So I have no issues with, with the shift. Um, I, I think if you are, if you're tinkering so much with the offense of the batters or the, the, the pitchers, then you're taking away more, the unbelievable. Yeah. I, and I can see where you were saying, you know, some people would want the PEDs because if we go back to the home run race, sure. you know, that's all that you and I and everyone else our age was watching on sports center at that time of what number is bonds at? What, what is McGuire at? Where is Sosa at? That, that, that was the go-to growing up that you remember it was the first thing at you know 6 a.m waiting to go to school and that's what you saw so i i think for the wow factor you know maybe the peds being it, it, more yeah. active you know I, and if you want to even go down that fine line you know if a guy has a migraine or a headache or a back twinge aren't the the cortisone shots or taking Advil, <laughs> yeah. any it's of a those booster for sure. Performance enhancing because they're injured at that time in some aspect. So, uh, yeah, 
let, let me pose this. If, if pitchers can use foreign substances, I, I thought of this the other day. Why, why aren't major league batters allowed to have a, a bat barrel that is just a little bit bigger than they do yeah. right now? You know, if Major League Baseball wanted to tweak some things, why haven't they gone the route of the batter in allowing a slightly bigger bat, even if it's millimeters? That millimeter could be, you know, where that strike just missed the bat. And then that would potentially generate more offense. Well, the the problem, Scott, is as these StatCast, you know, technologies which are they're, they're coming fast and furious I mean, I mean it's not just that cast there's plenty out there the advanced media um and major league baseball is now now owns a good majority of them so they're they're going to be here whether they're in our broadcasts or inside the team stat rooms um the more and more evolved those get and the more specific those get i, I can use my conforto example what they've done over the past three years scott has basically taken line drive hitting out of the game it's gone. Gap to gap hitting is gone. And that's why launch angles and exit velocities and hitting the hell out of the ball, the, you know, the ball out of the park is that's why it matters because it's the only way to supersede all that damn math, right? If we can just get it over top of whatever they're doing defensively, it doesn't matter what they're doing defensively. Well, then the second element of that is the shift, Scott. If you've got a shortstop playing second, second base or, or short center field or whatever you've got them specifically based on the stats, the, the, the only real way to beat it is two things. One, same thing, launch angle, hit it over their heads out of the park where they can't defend you, or B, hit an opposite field blooper or ground ball or bunt. Tell me that's exciting. It's exciting to me because I'm a baseball nerd. It's but there's no me. way that that's exciting to the pop to, to the large audience of Major League Baseball or the audience that they want in Major League Baseball. So the shift might be cool and it's smart and it's brilliant in a lot of effects, but it is not good for baseball. It is not good for baseball watching because the ways to beat it are either load up on home runs, which is fine, but too much is a, of, a, of a good thing. You know, you know how that gets. We've already seen it, I think. And or a bloop single. I think that's the problem with the shift is that it doesn't create good baseball. But if you go the route that you suggested with, and I know we've gone a crazy tangent here. um, But if you go the route of designated positions, shortstop has to be at shortstop. There could be a potential trickle down of, all right, we need to have more left-handed batters and, got players boys in in you know young rec league high school they should start learning how to bat yeah switch hitting switch hitting yeah absolutely switch hitting so that you can go between first and second with your hitting because you know the shortstop is always has to be there and there is no shift look it's not a it's not a baseball only problem we've had discussions about the three-pointer in basketball right i mean that's how kids are being raised right now Yep. No, nobody's doing layup drills. <laughs> it's not happening. How many layups have you seen in an NBA game? Oh my god! And most of them get missed because they're yeah. so out of practice. Uh, it's just that the, the games are evolving, and and it's up to the league specifically and the competition committees for those leagues to dictate if the changes are are good for business. 
And that's where baseball has been missing, in my opinion. And we'll finish on that. That's what this is all about. It, it has got to be about business with Major League Baseball because the, the, the business of baseball has been bad. Yes, owners are making money. You know, play, you know, Mookie Betts is still making $35 million. I get it. You still have your, your instances of good quality surplus. But it's, uh, I don't think the, the, the short-term, long-term in baseball financials is in a place where they can just kind of haphazardly let things evolve without them stepping in. They ha- I think it's a very, very important that that becomes the focus of the next 12 months in these negotiations and not the ticky-tack shit like pine tar. And that's why I wanted to bring this up in the first place. Get this the heck out of our conversations. Okay, this is, I hope this is the last time we have this conversation for the, for the foreseeable future because there are so many bigger elements to get to. And I think the thing, the, what we just talked about makes a lot of sense in these negotiations. Right. Because, look, you can say that denying a shift is a lack of freedom. You know, teams should be able to free to be able to. Well, there's a legal formation in, in, in football. Right. There's a way an offensive line has to has to line up specifically. There's a line of scrimmage. That everybody has to follow and abide by. There's there's uh, illegal defense in basketball which is an alignment thing. All these sports have something. Baseball mm-hmm. baseball right now is just letting them be loose and free. And it's up to them to rein that in, in my opinion, because they can make the quality of the game better by doing so. That's what it's all about for me. All right, let's switch gears. Uh, let's go to basketball and, and kind of okay. get through that because it's a little bit of a smaller story. Mm-hmm. We've talked about them a lot, but I think it's okay because they're they're dash, they're dishing out the money. And that's our neck of the woods. So it's hard to look away from the Golden State Warriors, Scott. They're back in the news again. And my question to you is this. James Wiseman's injury is somewhat notable now. And he's probably done for the year. Is it a blessing in disguise for Golden State based on where they are in the standings, what the rest of this year could be, could have been, um, Steph Curry's minutes, his injury history of late, and, you know, obviously what this means now for 2022, where, where does this all kind of land for you with the Warriors? Yeah, I think it is a blessing in disguise because Wiseman in Kerr has even said that the game, the game is a little bit too fast for Wiseman at this time. And, you know, it, it, this may be a way for him to be able to step away from on court sort of study and learn while rehabbing and, you know, getting back to where he needs to. And hopefully Wiseman can come back. Thompson can come back and the Warriors can go from there in 2021. But I do, I think it is a a blessing in disguise. And, you know, the Warriors are in the standings as of right now, they're, they're in the 10 seed. So playing game, they're the playing game. So even if they play, are they going to win? Because right now they'd have to play the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so, there's some real gamesmanship to not tanking, but letting this season kind of get away from them and, and letting Steph Curry have a little bit of a, of a step back and preparing himself for, well, let's quickly talk about it. What, what is 2021 going to be with this team? Because we know how financially invested they are. I mean, it's insane. It's it insane. And we've seen teams like Portland do this two, three years in a row and just invest so much cash, annual cash for minimal results. Golden State has the resume, but it's that's starting to kind of get past us a little bit. You know, that's now a, that's a, a couple of years in, in the rearview mirror now. 
is this high paid, high cost team and now older team, are they really contenders? If you look at the 2021 roster on our site right now, Scott, which I'm doing, is that team a contender right now, as is? Knowing that Wiseman won't have more experience now for the next 20, 22 games, whatever it is. Um, you know, he may be still just as ripe starting next October. Where is this team, in your opinion, knowing the rest of the Western Conference? They're not a contender. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, if you have Curry, Thompson comes back at whatever percent. We know Draymond is a shell of himself. You have Wiggins on there. And then Wiseman, and then it's a, you know, it's a pretty much a taper off. You got Looney, Poole, and then some other guys that are on there uh, that most most people aren't going to know. So, you know, I, I know Clay coming back allows them to be better, but again, what percentage is he going to be yeah. able to play? He's seventy five percent at best to start the year. You know, yeah, right? And, yeah, that's a lot of. Rust if you to think about it off. this year, this way. You know, if we're talking about big threes, because that still seems to be how the NBA operates, the big three, uh, especially with the contenders. If you try to make a big three in Golden State right now, I can only get to about 1.75. I can give you Curry and I can give you 75 percent of Clay Thompson, knowing what we've you know, what we've seen from him in the past. I can't put Draymond in this conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not putting Wiggins there. He's a nice role player for this team. And Wiseman's a far, far away from being that third heat, well, that third member well, of the heat. He's got potential down the line, but he's not, he's no, if, if we're talking about 2021 contention, James Wiseman is not in this conversation. No, not at all. And, and Kelly Oubre is a free agent. So yeah. the Warriors have to decide, do we want to sign him back or do we want to just let him go or sign a trade to somewhere he wants to go? That, that's, that's a, that's a player that they're going to have to decide what they really want to do. Not that if he's on that team, are they a contender? Because I, I think they're still going to be what they are. Um, but they, they had to do that trade to try to offset Clay's injury as best as possible. And, and that was a, a fix and use that trade exception to the best. Yeah, of their I ability. think if he's healthy, they're an eight or nine seed. You know, they're more comfortably in the Western playoff conversation. I mean, he's not healthy right now, and that's a big part of yeah, it as well. Eight or nine. Yeah, still not contenders. That contender? no. That's not a contender in my book. <laughs> no, no. And that's the point of this conversation is I'm not sure how we get them back to contention. I'm not sure how we get them back there, Scott. It, it, and I don't, e- I don't either. And that, that front office is going to have a lot to decide because do, do they – do they stay loyal to those three or at some point do they have to drop, drop the ball and punt it? I know it's out of sport, but um, because right now their, their luxury tax bill for next year is over a hundred million (laughs) dollars. And that is with the slight raise that is uh, the minimum that it can go. So if for some reason it goes up more because of revenue or whatnot. That luxury tax bill could go up, so they they have a lot to decide if they can punt or can they um, they just eat it and see where they go. They are they're going to. I know it's early, have, but no, but they have to decide. They have to. No, I know you're all right. All of these paths figured out now. It, it is because- time. It is it is the right time to start talking Warriors roster management because because are you are you. 
you know, w- we talked about the, the Steph Curry That's extension right. the other day. Right. And it, would it would it be reckless for them to give the extension knowing that in the next two to three years, we may be a shell of ourselves as a whole from a business standpoint? Does he sign it unless he knows he's got that third piece? And that's a great point. Isn't that the way he should be looking at it right now? That's how every other elite player is looking at it. So let's yeah. look real quick because I'm looking at the free agent list or the option list. But, you know, generally speaking, that's not where these guys come from. Generally speaking, those guys are tra- are acquired via trade off of, off of an active roster. So mm-hmm. we may have to dig a little deeper at some point down the road here to really have a oh. Warriors conversation but, or it could be a sign and trade where someone really wants to take on that Wiggins trade or the Oubre. Kelly Oubre yeah. is a sign and trade where they can get something back for him. So there, there are wiggle options, but is there a team that's going to fall in love with? Well, let me, ask, let, let me just throw this name out there and you tell me how the fit is because <laughs> you're more of the basketball guy than me. But the business side of me says, if you're going to pay, you might as well just pay it all similar to what Brooklyn is doing. And just hope that you're going to have the right chemistry at the end of the day. I know Paul George extended, but Kawhi didn't. And Kawhi's coming in with a player option next year. 34 and change. He's a real fickle dude. He's a real introverted dude. And the Clippers don't look like they're going to get anywhere in the next couple of months. They don't seem to have the right situation right now on that court to make the deep postseason run, based on what I've seen, at least. And certainly I've been proven wrong plenty of times, but let's say it just, it flames out again, maybe not a first round, but a second round exit for the Clippers. Everybody in the world is going to be talking about what, what happens to Kawhi Leonard's player option ourselves Mm -hmm. included. Why the hell wouldn't that be destination number one for him? Why, Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? That's a great point. Why not? Kevin Durant did this, right? He joined that roster when they needed a little bump. This is the right time, and he's the only player available right now with any kind of sort of availability. It would it would cost them the world. But. So the the only situation that they'd have to be careful with is doing a sign and trade would hard cap them. Yep. So depending on the the financials of what would go to how high could they go the Clippers? Right. How high could they actually go in signing Leonard? So there are, but they're some, they're built with a lot of depth right now because they know they don't have the second or third piece on that team. They know they don't. So they've been building a lot of youth, a lot of minim, near minimum contracts. That's just how they, it's been good business. It's similar to what the Patriots did in the in the NFL last year, and now they've kind of turned the corner with a lot more you know either adequate contracts or even above average contracts. I don't expect that just doesn't happen in basketball. You're not going to add four free agents in any in an NBA season. You know, there's just not cap space to make that happen. So you have to do it via the trade. But if you're telling me that your roster can, can consist of Clay, Kawhi, and Steph, and then they'll figure it out from there, isn't that the way the NBA is being built right now anyway, Scott? Small yeah. backcourts, three pointers, guys who can slash to the net. That's those three guys in a in a nutshell. I, I don't I don't know what better version of current basketball you would want than that outside of, you know, Kyrie, Harden and Durant. But I, I'm going to put an early shot out there and say this has to be at least a conversation piece if the Clippers don't do anything this year again, because Kawhi is not going to have standard 
a standard thought process with his offseason, you know? Who knows if he's going to opt in or opt out? Who knows if he wants to stay or wants to leave? So let's just start having the conversation now because I'd hate to see the Warriors have the situation that they had the past 10 years and just have it fizzle out because they made a mistake here or there or they had just too many injuries to, to keep up with. And that's kind of where we are right now. So I'm all, I'm all in if I'm Golden State, and that's the name I'm looking at. And I don't know why I, you would you know say any different. No, you're, you're right. Golden State needs to be all in because, again, they have a brand new stadium with no fans, yeah. or maybe they have fans in right now, but they they need to have that stardom. And right now, being a 10th seed or an 11th seed not in the playoffs, it's, it's not going to fly for the foreseeable future. I mean, they built that stadium based on what has happened in the last five or six years. So I think all cards are on the table. I get loyalty, but if for some reason, you know, Draymond Green after this year, his, he's got that extension and then it's time, you know, but who's going to, who's going to take oh, that Oh, We've on? said that before. I, and I know, <laughs> we've said that before, but it, but it may come down to, you know, all right, we're going to have to buy him out and stretch him. And when does that happen? Or can we find the extreme lowest denominator of a team and yeah. you know let them ship there and then they they take the dead cap on those conversations are absolutely going to be had and i hate to put Draymond out there but yeah. he has been a shell of himself wiggins is going to be in conversations of right. is, is he the guy that we need to move forward with obviously not my, because my, my point scott would be if you're going that big, if your mindset is we're going to get Kawhi, that's the that's the plan A, B, and C. Everybody else on that roster below those three become expendable, become on the block, right? I mean, you put Wiggins out there, you put obviously Ubre in a sign and trade if you can get something back for that. But that's that's the, that's how this has to operate for me. If I'm the Warriors, it's not about what little pieces can we add to this roster to because look, AD and LeBron they're extended, Gobert and Mitchell they're extended. That's already two teams most likely who are going to be ahead of you immediately over the next two seasons without even trying. And then you can start talking about Portland. If that team's going to figure it out and get together a little bit, what's going to happen with Phoenix? If Chris Paul decides to stay on that player option and those kids decide to, or, or those kids are able to take a step forward, not maybe even acquire somebody, they're going to be in. I mean, they're going to be looking to get one more piece on that roster and then they would be ahead of Golden State. That's already three teams. That puts you out of legitimate finals comp contention, in my opinion. So if if we're going to rescind and res resuscitate the Steph Curry era, it's going to have to be with a huge. It's a grand slam. It's not base hit to. It's base hit through the hole. You got to make a grand slam. You got to do what the Clippers did with Kawhi out of Toronto. You got to do the big big dish. And you're right. It's for putting butts in seats, putting butts in those suites in that new arena. Um, you know, uh, counting for a lot of partnerships that have been built in terms of sponsorships to that place, sponsorships to the team. There's, there's a lot of mouths to feed with what had to happen in that city to get that arena and that team to where they are right now. And winning would solve a lot of the issues, financially speaking. So I would pay big and I would start at the top of the list and Kawhi Leonard's at the top of that list right now. So something to keep an eye on, I guess. Let's talk football. Scott, have you thought about your fantasy football rosters yet? 
No, not yet. <laughs> I actually been forced to because of our great partnership with Dynasty Owner. I've been thinking about like which moves. I actually did a tweet like which which moves so far in the past month are going to matter when when it comes to fantasy football, especially with your your keeper leagues and things like that. Yeah, you're right. I had a couple of people respond. I saw uh, you know obviously the quarterback movement, right? What happens with Carson Wentz or even Carson Wentz being gone? Does that put Jalen Hurts into a top fifteen quarterback situation? Um, you know, Curtis Samuel came up an acquisition from the Washington football team. Is that the kind of piece, especially with the relationship with Terry McLaurin that makes Washington a little bit more offensive minded, not just a defensive juggernaut. So start to think about that, right? Which moves have become fantasy gold for 2021. Some of these trades, some of these free agent signings, and certainly the draft is going to make an impact on that as well. We will be back inside of dynasty owner soon, managing our roster, managing our team, It is the preeminent Dynasty Fantasy Football League on the internet. Great app, great website, easy to use. You can go pretty advanced with this thing. It uses real NFL contracts. You're using average salaries. And when moves are made on the outside, you got to make moves on the inside. It's pretty real life. But you can act as a real GM in Dynasty Fantasy Football. Start today at DynastyOwner.com. Scott, let's talk a little NFL. I'm going to give you a choice between two teams, and then we'll get out of here. You want to talk Packers or you want to talk Falcons? Let's go Falcons. Okay. All right. Um, Boy, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Even for somebody like us who really looks at this stuff annually, daily, all that stuff. Matt Ryan's contract is a mess. And I don't want to make it sound like sirens have to be going off and the world is ending in Atlanta because, I mean, we're not there. We're not adamant Falcons fans. And I'm sure they've had a lot of heartbreak with this team over the past couple of seasons because they have shelled out. It's been a similar Warriors path, to be honest. There's been a lot of cash spent, top top of the league cash spent in Atlanta. And it all starts with, obviously, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. And the situation with Matt Ryan has been, well, this is our guy. This is our guy. So let's just continue to restructure. We'll use his contract as sort of the way to create cap space for our team every year. It's not a bad approach if you're certain that this guy is going to be there to get through, you know, the dead cap situation that you've created with those restructures. Well, now they're here. Okay. Now they're off another tough season. They're the number four pick. So obviously, you know what kind of season they had in 2020. Matt Ryan's 35 going on 36. But just a quick look at his stats, Scott. He's not, he's not Sam Darnold. He's not the 36th rated quarterback in football. He's, he's not completing less than 60% of his passes. In fact, he's completing 65. He's completing 65% for his whole career, and he did it again last year. 4,500 yards, 29 touchdowns. His passer rating is 93 plus. You know, it's not elite. It's not really above average, but it's not below average by any means. So the, the conversation that new is always better I think in some cases that's going to have to stop applying. And we've had that talk with baseball and how they're getting younger and these kids are better for the game, but also cheaper. And, you know, that's obviously what the rookie wage scale has done to football in a lot of breaths too. So you're sitting number four, which means you're at best, you're getting the fourth best quarterback in this draft because we're pretty darn positive. One, two, three is going to be quarterback. So is Trey Lance. If he's number four, the right pick Scott with everything I just said. No. Okay. So are you then of the mindset that Matt Ryan has one to two plus years left? Should yes. be, it sh- they should be operating that way. So yes. then what is number four? Because now I, I've looked at seven mock drafts, seven. And I know there's 9,700 more out there, but I picked seven, 
seven sites, names, apps that, I'm, that I at least have a little bit more reputation. They all had a different guy for the Falcons in number oh, four. All sure. seven had a different guy. And they were all offense. Okay. Really? Two of them were quarterbacks. No, four of them were quarterbacks. Three of those were Trey Lance. One of them had Kyle Pitts, the tight end. Okay. Two of them had Jamar Chase, the wide receiver. Mm. Why? Okay, so the correct answer is none of the above, in my opinion. Yeah. Needs to be defense. They trade out. And that's where I went, Scott. That's where I went. So where where is the best? Because their, their biggest needs coming into the offseason, and I don't think they've addressed either in terms of free agency or trades, were edge rushers to complement Dante Fowler Jr., whatever he, he's going to be, and the whole secondary. Cornerback <laughs> safeties. Best available, you know, versatile defensive back. All these mock drafts consistently had the, had the best player at that position group land in 10, 12, 14, somewhere early in the, in the double digits, which means Atlanta doesn't have to be top 10. So I started to think, okay, which teams want to be four? Which teams want Trey Lance? Which teams are dying for Kyle Pitts? You know, whatever okay. it's going to be at four. The best available offensive tackle, if, if that's what they're going up for. Denver at, at nine, probably. I think they're probably done with Drew Locke to, and a lot of, and they've got an offense that's ready to tick. So that'd be maybe a the safer trade back because that's probably not getting you more than a couple a couple of mid round picks outside of the first round swap. That's only a, a couple you know a five spot move. You're not going to see too much in terms of trade return. But what about Philly? What about Philly, who has absolutely no way to acquire players because of their cap, because of their dead cap, because of the Carson Wentz decision? Um, are they just going to give Jalen Hurts a trial with nobody? You know, I, that's all I keep thinking in my head is because somebody brought up Jalen Hurts. I said in that in that dynasty tweet, Scott, and I thought to myself, who the hell is he throwing the ball to? Zach Hurts isn't <laughs> going to be on their roster. It's going to be Dallas Goddard, who's yeah. injured, you know, consistently. Greg Ward, who's a great number three, but he's not a number one. Who, who's he throwing the ball to? Everybody else left town or is about to leave town in some capacity. Um, so you're going to let that be his showcase season or his breakout season? I can't see it. So if Philly means business and they want to give this guy a real chance, then they've got to get up there for one of these top pass catchers. They have to. And they, it's not going to happen at 12. They're going to have to move back up, in my opinion. So where are they going with this? Is that the move? Yeah, yeah but if Philly goes up, they're taking on like – Four almost four million dollars in caps cap addition for the draft pool. They're, they're adding to their draft pool. You're saying so, yes. yeah, right. And, and and they're already in cap space hell <laughs> right now. So going up isn't necessarily the option unless yeah. you know who you're going to get rid of. Uh, yeah, that, that that's well, they tricky. could turn they could turn Zach Ertz's contract into Kyle Pitts' contract though. From a cap perspective. So there's always ways. You know how this works. But if you're Atlanta, I mean, do you take the best available? Do you take the top offensive lineman just to give Ryan all of the ammo that you can outside of, you know, a a wide receiver? We know how important that offensive line is. So do you take that that top offensive line? Julio Jones or Kelvin Ridley and a, a Big improving Russell Gage for a number three wide receiver. 
Mm -hmm. There's a lot of teams that would take that. Absolutely. <laughs> right? So what are we talking about at number four? I get it. You want to replace Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones next year with a cheap rookie contract. BS. That's, it's not the right move right now. It's not the right move for it. I, you want to talk left tackle? Fine. But they just restructured their left tackle, Scott. So, okay. So, okay. And in fact, they've done it a couple of times. So financially speaking, they've kind of already sh uh, you know, shown their face there that they're going to probably line Jake Matthews with Matt Ryan in terms of the contracts. Um, they got to get out because they got to fill three defensive holes right now. And you don't do that at number four. You don't do that at number four. You get yourself back. You get the best available defensive player on this draft. And then you get, you give yourself an extra third round pick, maybe an extra second round pick next year. And that's where you can talk quarterback if you have to, right? Some ammo to start moving back up. This is the 10th best odds team in the NFC right now. And I know that sounds terrible, but here's the teams that FanDuel has behind them, Scott. Washington football, Carolina, Chicago, who made the playoffs last year, the Giants, who were built well and made some big-time acquisitions this offseason, Philly and Detroit. Those are the teams behind them in terms of NFC odds right now, which means, in my opinion, they're like the third best bad team. You know, I put Philly mm -hmm. and Detroit in their own conversation. The Giants, the Bears, the Washington football team, and I can't say Carolina yet. They're, they're all as good, if not better, than the Atlanta Falcons, in my opinion. So why are the Falcons ahead of them in terms of Vegas? Why? It's because Matt Ryan has experience. It's because those wide receivers can catch the ball, and they showed it last year. It just seems like they're a couple pieces away. And when that's yeah. the case, you don't need number four because you're not taking the defensive player at number four. You're not doing it. You're just not doing it. So they got to get out. They have to get out. Matt Ryan's contract says they have to get out. Their defensive needs say they have to get out. The way that this, this, this draft shakes down in terms of the positional groupings, the top echelon players, there are a lot of teams that would never take a tight end number four is another conversation here. And it's risky business. It's mm -hmm. really risky business. Now, I know this guy's a special kid, and he's got Kelsey Kittle kind of comparables here. He's, you know, he's not just a tight end. He's a pass catcher. But how many of those guys have worked out? Kelsey wasn't a top-round pick. Kittle wasn't a top-round pick. TJ Hawkinson? True. Evan Engram? Mm, yeah. Eric Ebron? <laughs> you loving any of these guys? O.J. Howard? David Njoku? Yeah, not at all. I, I'm not even looking at a list. This is off the top of my head because I know how bad it's been over the past five to six years. It just doesn't go well. And this kid, I know he's got all the measurables, but you can have the same conversation with wide receivers taking top six, top eight, top 10. Generally speaking, the guys taking 12th, 15th, 22nd, 32nd, they work out a little bit better. Maybe it's work ethic. Maybe it's pedigree. Who knows? But there's a lot of data out there that says, just go chalk up top. Take your left tackles, take your quarterbacks, take your mm -hmm. edge rushers. Well, there's no edge rusher to take. And if that's the Falcons, if, I, if I'm speaking through the Falcons GM right now, that's the end of my conversation. Okay, because we, we don't want the fourth best quarterback because we'd rather have Matt Ryan because the contract says we should. We don't need a left tackle right now because we're in the same boat with the left tackle situation. And we can require a right tackle if we need to. We don't want to go high on a pass catcher because we just paid, you know, restructure Julio Jones. 
We've got Calvin Ridley, Ridley, who A, is still cheap, and we can get him on a tag if we need to. We've got tag control under him. So we're good there with our top two wide receivers, even though it's costing us a little bit of money. And our third wide receiver looks pretty good. So we need an edge rusher. So where's the best edge rusher following this draft? 12th. So what are we even talking about here? <laughs> right? What are we even talking do, about here? Do the Atlanta Falcons target an edge rusher from another team and say, we'll give you the fourth pick. Or Jadavian Clowney. So, oh, so you're saying a big, big trade, like a Demarcus Lawrence, something like that. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Scott, has, does that ever it, happen in the NFL? It, it never, never. happens. But never. This is, this, is the, <laughs> this is the time to do it because right now you are strapped and you have to think outside of the box. Yeah. The NFL Falcons have to sort of think like the, Los Angeles Rams have been thinking for the last few years in acquiring but players. But think about it this way. Would you want DeMarcus Lawrence's $20 million a year contract, or would you want to trade back to 12 and get yourself another first and another third and another, you know what I mean? Like it, I it's do. just apples and oranges when you, when you break I, it down in terms of the assets. I, and I get that. And and I'm sure the conversations are being had, but. But, so but let me jump point, in here. Let me jump in because we've had this discussion too. And maybe Scott, the, the, the discussion about that is relevant. Because the player trade compensation versus draft compensation, they're ridiculously sideways. Oh, why is why is a number thirty two overall pick worth so much, but any player on any roster worth nothing? Those things need to come closer together. That gap needs to close so that teams can have a at least a, a better chance. And oh, and we want more trades. Everybody wants more trades. It's a better way for teams to build because of the dead cap situation. And it's way more interesting for all of us. Let's just be fair and blunt about this. So to me, that is a that's a that's a that's a loop right now that needs to close a little bit is draft day trades or draft compensation trades versus what Zach Ertz should cost right now via trade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep, I do. But to, to finish off my thought, the Falcons they have to take some risks right now because you you have Matt Ryan, you're stuck with him because of the financial yeah. stipulations in place. So do you want to bring in a defensive player that has the experience and can immediately upgrade your defense right now? Or do you want to trade down for a, a college draft pick that may not have really played much last year you're you're going off of information from the previous year. They're going to have to get acc- acc- um, acclimated to the mm-hmm. NFL and everything else because he is a rookie. So you know, I think this is a team that if you don't love, love it, and it doesn't just have to be for one player. It could be two players. Maybe it's a in a very good to elite to and a very good, good player that, you know, fills two needs out of one draft pick that may or may not hit. Sure. You know, I I get, I get that they want to get a player and have them under control for the five, four or five years, six years, if you franchise tag, but the Falcons can't look at it that way right now. They they have to win right now with what Matt Ryan, Julio Jones on there. You're gonna have to do some sort of extension probably with Calvin Ridley eventually. 
So, so let they, me they jump in and out. maybe try to satisfy a couple of your requests here. And it's not the best idea, but it's out there. It's certainly out there. So let's say they trade back for the top cornerback in, in, in the draft. Nothing wrong with that. A top 15 cornerback, that generally hits pretty well in this league. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. The edge rushers, if they're not Chase Young, you know, if they're not right up there, there's a lot of misses. It's fair. You know, and this happens with every position, of course. I mentioned the Broncos. Um, probably at least have an inkling to go up to four and talk about the quarterback conversation. They made an interesting move a couple of weeks ago with an option on a player that I, that many of us didn't think they were going to exercise. And he's there and he's committed, mm-hmm. been there for a while. You know where I'm going with this. Yes. Why couldn't it be a mix of picks and Von Miller to the Falcons? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Right? Yeah. And that, and that's the creativity that the Falcons need to do and more, more teams for that matter. But in this case, yeah, do it. Take, take the risk. What do you have to lose? You know, if you take a quarterback, if you, even if you fall back and you take a quarterback at nine, or even if you say new England wanted to go up to four, I was gonna say, well, 15, the good thing about nine is you could probably trade back again. <laughs> and you're right in that case. And then you, you're doubling up on your, Yes, your acquired picks, but it is said over and over that quarterbacks, it's a 50% chance that it's going to work. If you draft this guy, you know what Von Miller has done that that's not a 50, 50 percentage, a coin flip. If he's going to work out or not, Yeah, he's good. He's going to work out because he has worked out. Yeah. So if you're the Falcons, you make that you make that trade. It's an out of conference you. trade, right? I mean, there's it's just one of those things that we see happen more than not. Yeah, you yeah. make that call. You absolutely make that call. Right. Good stuff. Anything else before we get out of here? Who's going to win the NBA championship, Scott? Phoenix Suns. Jesus, bet it now, everybody. What are the odds? Do you have them? Uh, last I knew, they were plus three thousand thirty one hundred twenty four hundred. So they've Ooh, been bet. They went up. <laughs> <laughs> they have been bet. Uh, I love it. I would yeah. love to just watch it. I'd love to watch it. I'd love to see that versus Brooklyn all day. Oh, give me Chris be, Paul against all those. Uh, that's phenomenal basketball. That is. That's phenomenal. That is. I'm with you on that. I'm not even going to go against you. That's great. That's good stuff. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription today. And also dynastyowner.com. It's time. Dynasty Fantasy Football, your keeper leagues. Real NFL contracts, plenty of GM decisions. They start now as the NFL starts their league season. DynastyOwner.com, get you started today. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Trinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.